I often don't say this, rarely do I say this, but I will say this tonight for a moment. Those of you that are joining us by way of internet, technology is a wonderful thing because you can also expand the audience. Tonight, if you're online with us, I'm going to ask you to share this with all of your friends or if you know somebody in the faith that is struggling and going through something, I want you to share this with them as we go along tonight. And uh, I believe that God's going to speak to the hearts of men and women. I'm not here just to fill a pulpit tonight. Brother Jade's off tonight, but I'm not here just to fill a slot. But tonight I'm here. I believe this with all of my heart. I'm on assignment. Uh, I was here late into the evening last night. The Lord has burst some things in my heart this week. And I spent and I labored in the word of the Lord last night, spent time alone with God. And I've, I've, I've dwelled on this as I've worked throughout the day, doing a lot of things for the meeting next week but, and some other things. But this, what I'm getting ready to, to deliver you, might very well be the most important message that I will preach this year. And I'm going to teach for a little bit and I'm going to take my liberty and I'm going to lay a foundation uh, but what I'm getting ready to deliver, I believe, is probably one of the most, if not the most important words that I will deliver this year. And uh, so I want us to be sensitive to what God is saying because we are in a time, how many knows that we're in a time where the enemy is doing everything in his power uh, to stop what God is getting ready to do. And I, I come not discouraged tonight. I come not upset. I don't come uh, in any form other than I come knowing this, that it isn't going to end like you think it might end. But I come tonight to tell you that God is going to show himself mightily in this nation as well as the nations of the world. And there is great opposition to what God's about to do. And that's why men and women are being fought in the manner that they are. But I, I want to take my time. We're going to end up in just a few moments. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. But before we get there, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to just take a few moments and I'm going to lay this out the best that I can. The prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah chapter 5, verse number 13. Therefore, my people are going into captivity. Because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Notice with me. The prophet is saying people are in a place of captivity because they have no knowledge. Even the honorable men find themselves in a famished place. I mean, a place of weakness, a place of discouragement, a place of not knowing, a place of just being discouraged in such a manner that they're, they're disarray in their thinking and, and in their activities. But it isn't only there in Isaiah, but Hosea chapter number four, verse number six says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Now, because they have rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. The Bible's very clear. Solomon writes, he says this, lean not into your own understanding in the book of Proverbs. Most of us have heard these things. Can I tell you 
Knowledge is power. When you possess knowledge, you possess the ability and the power to walk differently than everybody else around you. Now, with that being said, I believe we're in a time where we have to go back to the fundamentals of the faith. We got to go back to the Word of God because, can I tell you, there's a lot of things that's going on under the umbrella of church that God has nothing to do with. There is a spirit of deception that is running rapid through the nations of the world, and people will put the name God or the name Jesus or a little bit of Bible just to make it sound like it's something that's accurate and true, and it's not. Now, there's a few things that I think we have to establish at the very beginning tonight, and that is this. The Bible speaks clearly of a kingdom of darkness. And I've taught on this in the past, but let me give you a foundation very quickly. If there is a kingdom of darkness, that means this kingdom, it has a king. And if there is a king, it means that there is subjects, meaning there is people under that king. There is people that holds positions and places of power and they have assignments. Also, if there is a king and there's subjects, that means that there's a territory. There's a place that it is set up where it reigns from. As well as you need to understand that it has an agenda. But this kingdom of darkness, we know this throughout scripture. And I'm not going to take time to give you all of these verses, but I am going to give you some of them. This kingdom that is spoken of in scripture is called Satan's kingdom in Matthew 12, 25 and 26. It is also called the kingdom of darkness in Galatians 1 and 13. We also know that this kingdom is talked about existing in heavenly places. We also know that the king of this kingdom is identified as one that has power of the air. He is called the prince and the power of the air. But you may ask, who is this king that is over this kingdom of darkness? Notice with me, there's many different titles that's given to him, but this is a few. Satan, which simply means he is an adversary. Job chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, if you want to read that. You will find he is also called the devil, meaning this, he is the accuser of the brethren. Matthew chapter 4, you'll find it there. You find that he is also called the serpent, meaning he is the beguiler. He's one that is a deceiver. He's one that can make you believe something to be true that is not true. He is also identified as the dragon, meaning this, that he is an enchanting serpent, meaning this, that he is very persuasive and he is full of deception and danger. We also know this, that he manifests himself as an angel of light, meaning this, he is a master of deception. He is also known as Lucifer. That was his name in the heavenlies before he experienced his fall. The name Lucifer means this. He's a morning star, meaning there, he's not walking around full of darkness, even though he is the part of the kingdom of darkness, but he is manifesting himself as a morning star, something bright, something attractive, something that is beautiful. We also know this, that he is identified as a murderer. We find that because it is mentioned in John 8, 44, meaning this, he is a killer. He is one, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is who he is. 
Satan's activities, please don't miss this, they correspond to his name. He lives out these evil roles, not occasionally, but continually. So how did Lucifer become the king of darkness, one might ask? Satan's origin, we, we know that he was an angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer. He was a worship leader. When he moved, he was such a, a, a oracle of worship that when he moved, there was sounds that began to vibrate through the heavenlies. We know that through the insight that is given through the prophet Isaiah as well as Ezekiel and, yes, even Jesus, we find that there's a few things we do know about him. We know this. The reason that he fell was because he was lifted up with pride. Isaiah 14 and 12 tells us this. We also know that he was the first sinner because he rebelled against the things of God. And we also know this, that he became the first liar because in the Gospel of John we see that he is called the father of lies. So therefore, we have to ask the following. Who are the subjects of this king of darkness? I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I think it's important that we understand this. The fallen angels are subjects in his kingdom. Revelations 12 and 4 tells us that one-third of the angels in the heavenlies, they followed Satan's rebellion. We see that many of them uh, have been used uh, because they was under Satan's influence, and it was so great that they rebelled with him. And the fallen angels are called many different names throughout Scripture. And these names or these titles that's given to them, they are of importance because it signifies to us a difference in rank as well as authority. They have specific agendas and responsibilities. We know that according to scripture that some of these angels are already in a special compartment of hell reserved for a day to come. However, the fallen angels is not the only subjects in this kingdom. We know this that there is demon spirits. There is a demonic presence. We do not know much about the origin of demons. However, we do know this. There is much information in Scripture concerning them. And we find this, that they are spirit beings, according to Matthew chapter 8, verse number 16. We also find that they have personalities, according to Luke chapter 4, 33 through 35. And we also know this according to Mark chapter 5, verse number 9, that they are numerous, meaning that it's not just one or two, but there is thousands of them. So with that being said, Mark chapter 5, 2 through 13 gives us this insight concerning the demonic world. Demons are impure. They identify with death. They possess power. They are tormentors. They are intelligent. They are rulers. But notice this, they desire a home and they desire to destroy. The activities of demons are these, they seduce and they deceive, meaning this, they continually pursue humanity to get them to believe something that is not true as if it were true. They bring about a spirit of deception to make people believe things that are not true. They not only seduce and deceive, but they fight the gospel 
continually. Matthew 13 and 19 makes it very clear. They also oppress people. Let me say this this evening. Not only do they oppress people, but they also try to get people to a place where then they can possess people. A Christian man, woman of faith, cannot be possessed by a demonic spirit. But please hear me. A man of faith, a woman of faith, can be oppressed by a demonic spirit. Possession is when a spirit comes in and takes up residence and lives and dwells in a body. The Holy Spirit cannot dwell in darkness. There cannot be good and evil on the same tree at the same time. So therefore, a man of God, a woman of God cannot be possessed. But however, a man of God and a woman of God can be oppressed when they are being pursued by a demonic force. Everybody with me so far? Stay with me. We'll get to where we need to be in a few moments. Now, we find that oppression comes by demons attacking from the outside, trying to wear people down continually. Now, what should we as believers, what should our attitudes be concerning that? We're going to have to know who we are in Christ Jesus. First of all, let me tell you, we must realize that we are not of the kingdom of darkness, but we are of the kingdom of light. We have been bought by a price. We belong to another. We are not our own. We have been set free by the precious blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. Old things pass away. All things become new in our life. We are of the kingdom of light. We also must realize that God has given us authority over every demonic force from this kingdom of darkness. There is nothing that is able to overpower a man of God, a woman of God, if they are walking in alignment with the word of God in a manner where they understand who they are. God has given us authority. Mark chapter 16 and 17 tells us that very clearly, as well as James 4 and 7. We also must realize this, not a person under the sound of my voice tonight is exempt from the attacks of the enemy. Every one of us will experience an attack, multiple attacks in our life. You will never get to a place spiritually where the devil's going to leave you alone. If you thought you was going to get there, I'm sorry to disappoint you tonight. But as long as there is breath in your body, there will always be an attempt from the enemy to try to get you to a place where you doubt who you are in Christ. There is a particular individual that every time they see me, and they're in their 80s now, and they have given their life to the Lord for 50 years, if not more. Every time I see them out in town, and this is not a, 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 a throwing off on them, but it breaks my heart every time I leave them. Because every time I see them, they will come up in their feeble manner and they will grab my hand and they will simply say, I just hope everything's okay. I hope I'm going to make it. They are tormented continually after serving 50 years. And I said, you got to know who you are. That is not of God. That's not how God wants you to live your life. You have to know who you are. Okay? We find that not only has he given us authority and not only do we know that attacks will come, just because you've been attacked don't mean that you've done something wrong, okay? It means that you are in conflict with your adversary. But also we must realize that there is a place 
where Satan cannot touch us. And that is when we're sheltered in the arms of the Lord. So I say all of that to say this. We are dealing with something right now in our nation as well as the nations of the world that I think has to be exposed. And that's what I'm going to try to do tonight for the next few moments. We are currently dealing with a restlessness within humanity. Humanity has always been curious. Humanity has always wanted to know what was beyond. But at the same time, this is different than it's ever been. Matthew chapter number 6, I'm going to lay a foundation for us in the word of the Lord. And for a few moments, I'm going to take us on a journey. Because what we're really dealing with is the clash between two kingdoms that is very intense right now. And I'm going to talk to you about a restless spirit that's taking place. Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 25. It says, therefore I say unto you, this is the words of Jesus. In your Bible, it's written in red. He says, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat and what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic unto his stature? Verse 28. And why take ye thought for the raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and toll not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse number 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and is tomorrow to is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Therefore... Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I believe that right now in this moment of time, it is of great importance that we get knowledge concerning where we are. I look around today and I see such a restlessness among people. What they currently have isn't enough. Now, I am not against having a five-year plan, a 10-year plan. I'm not against saying I want to achieve this, and I believe we should have goals. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying tonight. But nothing is currently enough. We find not only do I see this taking place in the world, but I am watching this grow very quickly within the church. We have created such an environment today that we have 25-year-old men and women that are desiring to have what you have after you've worked for 40 years to get what you've got. And they obtain it, and they bring all of this stress into their lives, and then they find themselves in a place where they still are empty. Hear me. You can buy whatever you want to buy. 
You can purchase whatever you want to purchase. You can have all of the things, all of the latest with bells and whistles. But unless you have Jesus, you will never be fulfilled and you will never have peace and you'll never have rest. Can I tell you tonight, you and I need to understand. I began to realize in recent days what we're dealing with is not just an appetite for more, but we are dealing with a demonic spirit of restlessness. And I'm going to expound on this tonight. This restless spirit is producing unhappy, dissatisfied people. Nothing is ever enough. I said this to someone today. I've lived long enough to understand that when you look on the other side of the fence and you see pretty green grass, that pretty green grass over there requires somebody to cut it and labor and make it pretty. Just because it looks attractive doesn't mean it stays that way. Because if you get on the other side of the fence, guess what? It's going to rain. It's going to do all the things over there that it does here. And somebody's going to have to get the mower out, the weed eater, and all that stuff to make it stay pretty. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just stay there. Now, I say that to say this, which in turn... What we're dealing with is unhappy, dissatisfied people, which is turn is causing them to make, please hear me, in making unhealthy and unrealistic choices that is going to lead them into darkness instead of light. I come tonight to tell you, I know I'm not preaching the house down, but I come tonight to tell you, I'm giving you a prophetic warning. I don't know if it's just for the people in this room or those online, but I'm telling you, I'm speaking to the body of Christ today. There is a spirit of restlessness that is a demonic oppression. And if men and women do not awaken to the fact that Jesus Christ is more than enough, and if they don't get back to the simplicity of the gospel where they say, I'm going to seek him first and his kingdom, and that's enough. And if they don't get back to that, they're getting ready. And I feel the Holy Spirit. There is a, a day of trouble that's getting ready to take this generation because it's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. I'm unhappy. I'm dissatisfied. I got to have this. I got to have that. I'm going to go over here. It's going to be better there. Listen, uh, you don't get things unless you work for it. And the same principles applies in the kingdom. Listen, it's real easy for somebody to pick up and go to another place and think they're going to bask in the hard work of somebody else. Uh, but when you get there, guess what? If you're going to reap the blessings uh, and the bounty of the Spirit, you're going to have to do the same thing there that you would do where you're at currently. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves. You're going to have to work for it. Uh, but can I tell you, the enemy's got you believing. Uh, oh, if I can just get over here, uh, or if I can just get connected with that person or that ministry, uh, if I could get into this environment, if I could get, if I could rub elbows over here, or if I could just have this job, or if I could have this position, uh, and, and then this restlessness is in there. Uh, and, and the danger with this is uh, that there is a misunderstanding of what's taking place right now. Uh, and I'm not standing here as somebody that knows it all, uh, but I have lived a little bit. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, I got revelation last night when I was alone with the Lord, uh, and he said the problem right now is this. Uh, that
that this restlessness uh, that this generation is dealing with, uh, they are misunderstanding. And the master of deception of the kingdom of darkness uh, is leaning in their ear and telling them, uh, not in this gruff voice, uh, but he's trying to uh, intimidate uh, them uh, as well as encourage them at the same time, uh, using uh, and trying to counterfeit the still small voice of the Holy Ghost. uh, And he's sitting there telling them uh, these words, hear me, uh, this is God's plan for your life. Uh, This is what God has for you. Uh, God's going to make you excel. Uh, And what they are hearing, please hear me, uh, They are not hearing the kingdom of God, uh, but they are hearing the kingdom of darkness. Uh, It is a demonic spirit uh, of oppression, uh, of restlessness, uh, but it has clothed itself. uh, Please hear me. It has clothed itself in a manner uh, where they have been led to believe, uh, oh, that this is a stirring of the spirit in my life. Uh, I got to tell somebody this morning, uh, when God begins to move in your life by the unction of the Holy Ghost, uh, it is It's not a place that is full of disarray. It is not full of conflict. It is not full of uncertainty. But there is a knowing. Listen, every time God has spoke to me, I have not always had A, B, C, D, or E all laid out. But I can, it's a walk of faith. I understand that. But when God puts something in my spirit and I was supposed to move, I can tell you this, even when it was bigger than me, when I didn't know how I'd do it, there's a peace that us all understanding that came in uh, and said God's going to take care of it and he's going to do it. Can I tell you tonight, uh, you've got to realize uh, unless the Lord builds the house, uh, he that labors uh, is laboring in vain. Uh, you can get up early, uh, you can stay up late, uh, you can do all of the numbers, you can do all of the math, uh, you can try to figure it out, write all your plans, uh, but it's going to end up in a hash heap uh, because uh, unless the Lord builds it, uh, you You are wasting your time and the enemy's laughing all the way saying I've got them where I want them. I've got them where I want them but I gotta tell you I'm here to expose a restless demonic spirit and tell you that if God's doing it there'll be peace, there'll be rest and there will be comfort in your life. said I was gonna teach not preach. Lord help me. But I have a righteous indignation in my spirit today. Listen, I've labored. I've labored. Listen, St. Augustine made this statement. Our heart is restless until it rests in you. Talking about Jesus. We must teach a generation right now how to rest in the word of God. Which takes me back to Matthew chapter number 6. Verse number 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Can I tell you, you can go get all these things, and you're still going to be empty. But if you seek God first, and his righteousness, and he adds them to your life, you won't be empty. A new car is not the answer. I'll celebrate with you if you get a new car. New pair of shoes ain't the answer. A new purse, ladies, isn't the answer. It may make you feel good when you walk out of the store. New set of dishes, crystal, ain't the answer. 
Nothing wrong with it. It's been pretty. Nothing wrong with it. It's not the answer. That natural thing fills a void for a moment, but then it vanishes away. Hear me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. To seek simply means this, to go in search of. We have a generation right now that has been led to believe, oh, God's just going to rain it down, rain it down, rain it down. I'm just going to stand here. He's going to, and we think we don't have to go searching for nothing. I got to tell you something. You and I need to understand that when we seek him, that's when things are brought to us. Solomon is a picture as a young man. He begins to walk this path as his father has recently passed away and he has received a word from his daddy. It says, everything that's in your heart, son, do it because God's with you. Him understanding the task that was before him was so great and so beyond him. He went and he fell down and he called out to God and he simply said this, Lord, give me wisdom, give me understanding. I don't know how to do what's before me. I can't lead. I can't do this. This is monumental. I can't do it. But if you read that story, you will find that there's a passage of scripture in 1 Kings chapter number 3, verse number 13. The Lord comes and talks to him and says this. He says, I'm going to honor you with what you've requested. I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you knowledge. I'm going to give you understanding. But also, I also have given thee that which you did not ask for, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Notice, there was a fulfillment that came to Solomon that no king or no individual around him ever experienced because he simply sought God. He didn't ask for wealth. He didn't ask for honor. He didn't ask for any of that. But the Lord said, because you seek me, I'm going to make sure that you have more than enough. So I want to ask you, if we are serving a God that does not change, why is it that we have allowed the enemy to dupe us into believing that we need to spend 99% of our time trying to make a dollar instead of not seeking God first? We are completely backwards in our lives. Now, I understand we have to work and all those types of things, but you hear me. If God is not a priority, if he's not first on your mind, when you get up and he's not the last thing on your mind when you go to bed, your life's out of order. Now listen, my mind's everywhere. Especially now I got grandbabies. They, it stays there a lot. But let me be honest with you. I start my day with him. I walk throughout the day with him. And I end my day with him. Because I know this, that which is in my heart cannot be accomplished unless I seek him first. Do I do it perfectly? No. No, 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 no. And i got to tell you tonight, the reason there is a plague of unhappy people and dissatisfied people is because they have yet to learn the importance of seeking Jesus. The answer to your life's problems today is Jesus. You hear me? The word of the Lord come to Israel. I'm trying to hurry. The word of the Lord come to Israel and said this. 
said, if you fail to keep walking these statues and commandments in my life that I've laid out for you, he said, I'll lift my hand from you and you'll find yourself without my blessing and without my covering and you'll find yourself in a dark place. However, if when you waking up and you find yourself in that place, if you'll do this in Deuteronomy 4.29, but if from there thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. Now, it'd be fine if it stopped there. They'd say, well, that's easy. I'll just seek the Lord when it's convenient. That's not what he said. The last half of that verse is the most powerful. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. That's the only way. He said, if you'll seek me with a whole heart, you'll find me. A lot of people say, well, I just, I've prayed and I just ain't found. Listen, is it possible? I'm not accusing. I'm just asking the question. Is it possible you've sought him, but you've not sought him with your whole heart? Is it possible that you've sought him, but not with your soul? Just asking. Solomon writes in Proverbs 8, 17, he said, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. You've heard me teach this in times past. There's something about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. There's something about it. God is walking the earth in an undisturbed manner in that time period, in that watch time of the day. I'm telling you. If you need to get some rest and peace, you need to get up early. You need to experience him in the midst of the quietness from 3 to 6 a.m. I'm not going to reteach that tonight, but I could. Matthew chapter 7 says this. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receives, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. These are the words of Christ. These are not the words of men. Notice with me. The only way to defeat the attacks of the enemy is by running after God himself. Tonight, we do not have to be fearful of being turned away. Luke chapter 12 is probably one of the most powerful statements that's ever made towards humanity concerning God and turning the kingdom of light. Notice with me in Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We see that it is his desire to give us that which we have need of and more. But you have to seek him first. Please notice tonight, we do not defeat the enemy unless we are willing to walk obedient to the word of God concerning our lives. Timothy, Paul is writing, he tells him this in 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. He said, body exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things. What is godliness? It's seeking the things of God, living righteously, following after the things of God. Notice, and I'm going to bring this to a close. A restless spirit tonight is plaguing a generation you say, why? I believe this with all of my heart. The enemy of our soul is doing everything in his power to cause men and women to be blinded to the plan of God for their lives. And he is causing them to be oppressed by this demonic spirit of restlessness. And with it being misinterpreted as the stirring of the Holy Spirit, 
men and women is in danger of getting ready to step out of the will of God. And when they step out of the will of God, you hear me. When you step out of the will of God, you step out from the protection of God and the favor of God. And you set yourself up for a demonic attack that you have never seen. And I come to tell you tonight, there has to be an exposing. What we are calling a stirring of the Spirit is not a stirring of the Spirit. Because if it was a stirring of the Spirit, you hear me, there would not be a lot of noise in your life. How can I say that? Solomon was given the task of building the temple. Most of you are familiar with this. I preached a message some time ago, but I want to give you this scripture. If the Lord is building your life, doesn't mean we don't have opposition, don't mean we have to navigate through stuff, but if God is building your life, if God is laying this plan out before you, then your life will not be filled with noise. Because when God builds something, he builds like nobody else builds. So how does he build? David laid up and made preparation for Solomon before he died because the Lord said, David, you've shed too much blood. You can't build this house, but your son can. So David began to prepare. He laid up all kinds of things that were needed. He got the trees. He got the gold. He got the silver. He got, the, he got everything. And he got people beginning to be assigned, and they began to have task and responsibility. But when you begin to look at the construction of the temple, you will find that something happened for the first time in history that I'm aware of, and that is this. God was building this house. How can I say God was building the house? Is because God is the one that had placed it in his heart and gave them directions on how this thing should be built and how, and he let them build in an elaborate fashion. However, it says in the house, in verse, chapter 7, 1 Kings chapter 6, and the house when it was in building. Somebody say when it was in construction. When it was in construction, it was built of stone, don't miss this, that was made ready before it was brought there. Meaning this, so that there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. What does that mean? It means that there was a rest and there was a place of tranquility. There was a place of quietness. There was a rest in the midst of hard labor. There was no sound. Get this. If you've ever been around a job site or anybody done construction in your neighborhood, can I tell you, every job site I've ever been, it has been full of noise because man is trying to build it. But God says you're not doing it that way. I'm going to prepare over here. Everything's going to be hewed. Everything's going to be made ready. And when it comes and it gets ready to, for my house to be built, it's going to come in. It's going to set down. There's not going to be the sound of a hammer. There's not going to be the sound of an axe. There's not going to be a sound of brass. It means this. This is not going to be a chaotic place, but this is going to be a place of rest. Can I tell you? Think about it for a moment. If God's house in the natural was built that way, why is it that he would not build his spiritual house that way? 
If you and I are his spiritual house, that means this. He doesn't want the sound of hammers in your ear. Because how many knows that's disturbing? He doesn't want the sounds of iron and brass workers uh, just banging all the time. You want to hear that all day long? No, listen, that drives you crazy. Why? So God says, if I'm going to build your house, I'm going to prepare that stuff before it gets there. And when it's time for it to be installed in your life, you're going to know that it's ready and you don't have to deal with all the stuff because of this. You say, how can you say that? Hebrews chapter 4 tells us very clearly that there let us, let us therefore fear lest a promise been left us of, etern- of everlasting, uh, let me back up, let us therefore fear lest a promise been left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it, but when you read on down in verse number 9, it says this, there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. You and I today, right now, in the midst of a chaotic world, in the midst of everything that seems like it's falling apart around us, uh, there is a rest that you and I can live in and dwell in, and it's only because our life has been built uh, by the things of God. Now, if your life is filled with all of this noise uh, and and you're trying to build this and you're trying to make that and you're trying to achieve this uh, and you're trying to make this happen and that happen, uh, listen, uh, that means you're not seeking God first uh, and therefore you're spinning your wheels and your life is on the verge of going out of control. uh, But then there's a demonic spirit that's saying, oh, you deserve more. Uh, You need more. If you obtain this, if you obtain that, uh, then you're going to be fulfilled. But it's a trap of the enemy uh, just trying to get you to a place where you're all worked up where you don't know what's going on uh, and then you find that yourself you're unhappy you're dissatisfied uh, and then he comes and sits back on your shoulder and says oh this is the will of God uh, oh the Lord's stirring your spirit because of what's getting ready to happen uh, but no we don't have knowledge uh, we don't understand that when God works he don't work that way uh, I gotta tell you when God works you know that he's working uh, there's a presence of the Holy Ghost uh, does anybody remember when you was a kid uh, in the house of God and the Holy Ghost came in and the baby quit crying. Why? Uh, It's because there's a holy hush. Uh, There's a rest uh, when God is moving in the lives of men and women. Uh, I got to tell you tonight, uh, the enemy's trying to destroy some people. uh, And I got to tell you, I've got to sound the alarm. Uh, It's a demonic, restless spirit. uh, And the only way to get it uh, and to get beyond it is to come back to Matthew 6.33 and begin to seek him first. Is he first tonight? If he's not first, please hear me. If he's not first, if he's not first, if he's not first, there's disaster in your future. I'm not talking to, maybe I'm not talking to everybody, I'm talking to somebody. This restless spirit. I'm not talking about we should never be satisfied when it comes to spiritual things. God, we want more. We desire more. We, we push for more. We pray for more. We, 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 we want to reach one more soul. We, we want to experience one more move of God. I get all of that. But that's different than this restlessness that people are dealing with today. Can I tell you what you are interpreting as being The stirring of the spirit to take you to the next level is nothing more than an attack of the enemy that's going to destroy your life. As they come to the piano tonight just for a moment, how can you say that tonight, preacher? 
with such boldness. It's because of a conversation that Jesus had shortly before he left this earth. He's with his disciples and he tells them, he says, I'm not going to be with you many days longer. I'm not going to walk many more miles with you here. And they're having a hard time processing this because they thought he came and they thought he was getting ready to set up a kingdom and they thought they was getting ready to overthrow those in power. And man, they just thought, man, we're going to be we're, we're going to be on the ground floor of this thing. But he says, boys, I'm not going to be here much longer. And it struck a nerve with them and hit their heart. And he's like, you're grieved because of the words that I tell you. But he said, listen to me. Really listen to me. He says, it's, it's important that I leave. Because John 14, 25 through 27. He says, if I leave the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And he'll bring all things to your remembrance. And whatsoever I've said unto you, you're going to remember it. But he said, peace I leave with you. But get this, he says, my peace. Not the peace of this world, but my peace. I give it to you. Not as the world gives, but I give it unto you. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What he's saying is this. I know you don't like what I'm telling you. But I'm preparing a rest for you. And when he comes, you're going to experience something that you've never experienced. There's going to be a comfort. It's kind of like when a little toddler falls down and scrapes its knees or bumps its head and begins to squall. And mommy or daddy or grandma or grandpa runs over and picks up that little child. Nine times out of ten, if not ten out of tens, that little child will turn around and lay its head on its shoulder and just start cuddling because it feels and experiences a comfort that only it finds in that place. And it takes just a moment and the tears began to stop and the sniffles began and then the drying of the eye takes place and then just a little kiss on the boo-boo and it's all better and then they're down playing again. How and why is that? It's because they feel and sense and come in contact with that comfort. The Lord said, I'm going to bring you a comfort. He's going to show you things that was. He's going to show you things that are. Meaning this, you don't have to be afraid because of what you think may happen. But there's going to be an assurance that, you know what, God's with me. Because he says, not only is there a comfort coming, but there's a peace that I'm giving you. It's not any peace, it's just my peace. Can I remind you, it is a peace that passes all understanding. If God is transitioning you 
in any area of your life, I'm going to tell you something. There will be a peace about it if you've prayed over it, if you've sought his face concerning it. Now, there may be some anxieties because we're human. If you're taking on a new job or a new role, I get all of that. We're human. But there in your innermost being, there will be a peace because you know that God is leading you and directing you in it. There were some things that was presented to me recently. And I knew in my spirit it was something that I'd like to do, but I didn't know if the timing was right. I didn't know if it was something I should do. And I knew. I said, the only way I can figure out if it's something I'm supposed to do is I have to be there. I have to walk it. I have to smell it. I have to see. So I got on a plane and I I flew. And I got in the car and I drove out to this village. And the moment I stepped out of the car and started wading through knee-deep grass, looking at a building that needed new doors and windows, with chip paint and all, I knew. Nobody had to tell me. I knew. The reason I knew is because the comforter came to me in that moment. And the peace of God settled down in my spirit. And he said, it's going to be all right. What no noise going on. You hear me this morning, this evening. There wasn't no hammers. There wasn't no clanging going on. There wasn't no, there wasn't no noise going on. But Jesus didn't stop there. He had another conversation shortly after the one in John 14. And in John chapter 16, he said this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I know the truth's not popular, but it doesn't matter. It's still the truth. He said, it's important, it's expedient for you that I go away. He said, I'm telling you again, you, you got you to gotta let this thing go. You got to trust me is what he's saying. You got to trust me. Because if I don't go away, the comforter can't come. But if I depart, he said, I will send him to you. However, verse number 13 of that same chapter. He said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Here's what I want to say. Truth is truth. It's not a gray area. But when you start dealing with truth, you start dealing with absolutes. So if God begins to lead you into an area, he's going to lead you into a place of absolute. Meaning this, there's not going to be questions about it. If you're having to question and replace something over and over in your mind in any area of your life and saying, well, is this God? Is this God? Is this God? It's not God. Because that's not how God does it. God deals in absolutes because it's truth. I'm a firm believer that God speaks openly and honestly to his people. But the enemy comes along and He's got a generation that's restless. I need more, I need more, I need more. 
Maybe if I have this, I'll be fulfilled. Maybe if I can get that, I'll be fulfilled. Maybe this job or maybe this career path or, or maybe, maybe this person in my life or maybe if I go this avenue or maybe if I try this, I'll listen, 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 listen. I don't care tonight if you make $500,000 a year or $15,000 a year. You will still be in a place of lack unless you let God lead your life. Poverty has all different types of levels in it. I can tell you that. Can I tell you today that there is people living in $2 million homes? And if you was to talk to them, they'd tell you they're in poverty. You say, that's not even possible, preacher. Yes, it is. Because you see, before, they lived in $10 million homes. But certain deals went bad, and they lost, and they lost, so they had to downgrade. And now they'd say this. Even though they're living in a $2 million home and making money and got all these comforts, they'd still say, I'm in poverty because that's not where I used to be. Failing to understand that if they made $30,000 last year, they're in the top 3% wealthiest people on this planet. But yet in their mind, they're in poverty. What am I saying tonight? I'm saying this. There's a restless spirit. I want you to press on. I want you to achieve all of those dreams. I want you to pursue them. Yes, I do. But only if that's what God's plan is for your life. Tonight, there's such an urgency in my spirit, and please forgive me for being lengthy on a Wednesday night. But I have to empty myself tonight just for a moment and tell you I'm talking to people today. The enemy's telling you you got to pursue this and you got to pursue that. And you gotta, listen, I'm telling you today the answer is seek Him first. And his righteousness, God will bring everything that you need. I know what it is to make good money and still have nothing, to be enslaved to what I had. I know what it is to work 80 hours a week. And the struggle. I know what it is. I've been there. But I also know what it is to walk in a place of obedience to God and to walk away from all of it and to go back to making $250 a week and begin to experience more than I ever had in my life. It's because He began to just add things to my life. And since then, Increase and increase and increase. And today, by the world standard, I'm not wealthy. But today, I stand here and tell you I'm a wealthy man. I am blessed. I am healthy. I have a wonderful family. I have a wonderful church family. I have... God's blessing on my life. Oh, 
What a... And it's all because while I didn't do it perfectly, nor will I ever do it perfectly, I've pursued him with a pure heart. Have I missed him? Yes, I have. Have I failed him? Yes, I have. Oh, but I continue to seek him. That's why on a Wednesday night, I'll stand before you and tell you, if there's ever been a time that we begin to intercede for our families and for ministries, it's now. Because this demonic, restless spirit is trying to destroy people that you love, people that I love. And if they don't awaken, if they don't awaken quickly, if they don't awaken, there's going to be going to be a price to pay and the enemy is going to set and rejoice here's what I believe and I don't say this from a lack of faith but I say this there are those that is going to refuse to receive the word of the Lord and they're going to have to learn They're going to have to go through some things. But we must position ourselves to pick them up, to wash them off, and to love them and nurture them back to a place of health. There has to be an awakening today. As we stand all over this house. I've given you my heart tonight. More importantly, I think I've given you the heart of God. I want you to hear me tonight. He loves you. And he has great plans for you in your life. And there is such a move of God that's getting ready to shake the nations of the world that you and I cannot even get our minds wrapped around it tonight. There is getting ready to be an illuminating light of the gospel. What you saw on Sunday morning in this house with Miss Gina Watson standing here when they basically said, prepare her for the, for, the, for the funeral home. Decide which funeral home you want to use. But yet she said in this house, Sunday. It's just the beginning of what God's getting ready to do in the earth. That's why the enemy is doing what he's doing. He's trying to sabotage 
He's trying to destroy those that God is ordaining to be instruments in his hand in this season. But I have to ask the question tonight, does it move us? Does it move us that the enemy is deceiving and conniving and tricking men and women, good men, good women, men and women that love Jesus? Does it bother us at all tonight that he's deceiving them and getting them to make decisions that is contrary to the plan of God. If it moves you tonight, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to come to the front of this building and kneel or stand and pray and say, God, awaken us. Give us knowledge. Give us revelation knowledge. And Lord, help us. And let us not just look outward, but let us look inward and say, God, am I putting you first? But seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. To the youngest, to the eldest in this room. Please hear me. Work hard. Get up every day. Do what you know you're supposed to do. Absolutely. The Bible's very clear. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. You got to take care of your family. Understand that. But we got to get back to where he's first. If you'll put him first, you'll have his unmerited favor. And there'll be increase. And there will be abundance in your life. You'll reap from fields you didn't plant. And you'll experience the blessing, the favor of God. But only if you seek Him first. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you could take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms and don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.